media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. Open your Bibles, Luke chapter 17. It's kind of a familiar story to many. I've actually preached this. I don't know if I've preached this here. I've preached it several times over the years. It's one of those traditional kind of Thanksgiving things of and where Christ goes out, we see thankfulness in real life. And uh, I, I, I'm going to go through this today kind of in a quick way. There's so many really good points and applications. Uh, one of the things I think that we kind of do wrong with this story sometimes, like we do wrong with a lot of different texts, <laughs> is that we make moralistic things out of them rather than the gospel as being the center. And certainly it has some moral teachings. I mean, one of the moral teachings here, be thankful and show that thankfulness. I mean, that, that's a good moral teaching. And yet what we really begin to see as we open up this word is that there's so much depth there of what Christ was doing. He was going to a place, and the the word that God kept on giving me this week is a, a place that was unsanitary. I, I don't know about you, any germaphobes? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> you know, it was one of those things that you just don't like nastiness. You just, you know, it can be something that you're going, man, there's just germs in there. And yet think about what happened, guys. When When holy God, holy God took on flesh, he came to this unsanitary place. And so much of the time we make a big deal because of the, the, the cradle being, you know, there in a, a manger and out there kind of among the animals. And that's big. We don't get the unsanitary condition of our spiritual condition. That he went from holiness. We just sing about how the angels are always adoring him. They're just singing 24-7, have been since they were created, of his worthiness. And yet he clothes himself in flesh and he comes and he dwells among us in this place that's very unsanitary. On a germ level, yes. (laughs) But on a sin level, amazing. And yet we begin to see in the text today that he comes right in the midst of it. Look what it says, Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. Now, Luke has already told us that that. Christ has set his eyes on Jerusalem. This is near the end of his ministry. And just as we saw in the Gospel of Mark, he has set his heart, his mind. The the Bible would say that he would even set his face toward Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. This is his mission. And so he's, not that he had to dedicate himself to it, but he just has this laser vision toward the purpose that God has called him to. And on the way, it says there in verse 11, to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. Now, why is that significant that Luke would give us that information? Uh, there were, among the Jewish people, this distaste that they had, this very prejudiced feeling they had towards Samaritans, they thought them to be almost less than human, just that they were the most unsanitary people, so to speak, in so many different ways. Uh, and so they just didn't like even be around them. So a, a good pious Jew would go around, even if it meant taking a whole other day to go travel, when they were wanting to go from this point to this point in Jerusalem, instead of going by Samaria, they would go all the way around. Why? Because they just, this word unsanitary, this sinfulness, this disdain that they had for these Samaritans. And yet Jesus goes right down the middle. I love what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon says, it's almost like he was intentionally had the Jews on one side and the Gentiles on the other side. And he's walking this route to show, okay, I'm about to do something that's going to bring both Jew and Gentile together in this good news of the gospel. Verse 12, 
And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. These people were more than likely, because of their proclamation here, in full-blown leprosy. And out of Levitical law, even from the Old Testament, if you had leprosy, you were an outcast. Can you imagine a word that is more descriptive of hurt and pain than outcast? I mean, many of y'all have done middle school. And can you imagine middle school as an outcast? I mean, middle school was tough if you were the top, like, most popular person. But middle school, I mean, it's just a rough time. Rough in your own heart and your mind. Rough in, you know, just you're dealing with your own self. Can you imagine being the outcast? And yet, these people, they're the outcast. Because they have disease. They have this unsanitary. They have nobody wants to be around them. And Levitical law said that not only did you kind of separate yourself, you're an outcast, but you actually had to, when anybody would even start to approach you, you had to be on the other side of the street and, and to say unclean, unclean, unsanitary, dirty, contagious. Can you imagine any other words that would just put this distance? And yet they cry out, And and so there's kind of an obedience there. And look what happens, verse 14. And when he saw them, that is when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. They weren't cleansed instantly. As they went, they they had a demonstration of faith. Ten lepers who'd been outcasts. We don't know how long. Could have been weeks. Could have been months. More than likely, a lot of uh, scholars believe that they were in full-blown leprosy, that maybe they had been in this condition for months and years rather than weeks and months. And so they'd been separated from family and friends. At Thanksgiving dinners, Christmas dinners, they don't get to gather around the table. They're separated from their loved ones. He says, go show yourself to the priest. Because Levitical law said that once you had leprosy, in order to become part of society again, to be kind of back with your family, you had to go and they had to see that their leprosy was gone, that you had been healed. And so he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And, and they act in a measure of obedience, in a measure of faith. They start to leave. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know if it's a mile. I don't know if it's three miles. I don't know the distance. We're not told. And yet as they're going, can you imagine as they would look down to the hands that would all be withered and blistered and full of leprosy and more and more became back to their original form? And that they were able to look down and see that this disease that had caused them to be separated by family and friends to be an outcast, to, to be unsanitary and unclean, was all of a sudden gone. If we stop the story right there, we, we would say, isn't Christ wonderful? Isn't this great that he sees these people that are total outcasts? And, and this is the part that I, I want us to see is more than just a moral story. This is the hope of the gospel. This is the hope that God takes outcast, those that are unclean, And he tells us that because of what Christ is going to do, that there is hope for us. Verse 15. And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now why are we given this information? Number one, how many were there that were healed of this just ugly disease? Ten. And did they show some obedience or at least some faith? Yes. 
Can you imagine the joy that overwhelmed them that they could maybe, if they were a husband, that they could hug their wife again? If they were a father or a mother, that they, that they could, that they could be with their family again? Can you imagine the joy that would overwhelm you if you were outcast from your family and your friends? And then all of a sudden, because of the grace of somebody who healed you, you were able to come back and be together again. It's understandable to me that, that they would want to go immediately and see their family. And yet we do see this one that turns back. And so often this is where we make this moralistic truth. And it is a truth. I don't want to deny that we should be grateful people. And that we should always come back to the source of our healing and be grateful. I think that's an application of this text. And so let's not ignore that. But is that the foundation of this text? I think we could argue with that. I think that there's something so much deeper because of that last part. Now, he was a Samaritan. Is there a difference between an outcast and the furthest outcast? If you're outcast, are you just outcast? Well, to a measure, yeah. But even if you're an outcast... Is there one, some that seem to be a little bit closer to breaking in and others that just seem to be farther and says, it's hopeless. I can never, ever fit in. I'll never be clean. This mention of the Samaritan is certainly cultural and it would have been relevant in the day to help the Jewish people to understand that Christ has come for all people, every nation and every tribe. But I think that he's making a statement here that this good news, this hope of the gospel or for those that are outcasts, and even the furthest outcast, if there are such people, that even those that are the farthest away, that there is hope for them. We can take the moralistic part of the story, because look what Jesus says. Even he points out, verse 17, and Jesus answered, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? He, he does point out, okay, guys, I thought there was ten of you. Is he in unbelief? Is this... Anger? Does he say this with a point or a jab? We don't know. One of the bad things about trying to interpret sometimes, unless the, the original language kind of gives us a leaning in one way, is that we have to kind of a little bit guess. And I don't say, think that this is so much of a jab as much as it was a declaration of this man's extreme faith. Verse 18, was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? How many times... Did Jesus have to point out to the Jewish people themselves that why they have a culture, they had a background, and they had generations of people of connection with God, that often it was the Gentiles, and in this case the Samaritan, the outcast of the outcast, the furthest away, that was actually demonstrating tremendous faith. Not just an attitude of gratitude here, certainly that. But he points out that, you know... (laughs) That there is hope for those that are the outcasts of the outcasts the furthest away. And that there's a joy that they have because they begin to comprehend that they now have relationship. In this case, this man now had cleansing. Now he was no longer an outcast. And so he comes back in that gratitude and he thanks God. Then we have a mystery in verse 19. And he said to him, that is Jesus said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. 
There's a lot of question about that last statement there. Your faith has made you well. There would be many that would believe that salvation came to him. He says, okay, I already healed the outside. The leprosy is gone. But now I've actually healed the inside because you've shown true. Is this salvation faith? We're left to kind of wonder a little bit. I believe that it was. I believe that there was not just a physical healing, but there, there truly was a spiritual healing as he showed and exhibited this faith. Maybe not really fully comprehending the whole idea of a Messiah and his need there, but just seeing God's provision and trusting in simple childlike faith in that. Oh, oh, we could go back and forth. Was this salvation or not? But it is something that the other ones perhaps did not have. They, did they get healed? Yes, physically healed. And yet there was something that happened in this man's life as he responds to Jesus as he comes back. And he begins to see Jesus as this hope. My question for you this morning, there's not one person here, I I can really say this, I don't care how difficult, challenging your life is this morning, there's not one person here this morning that has not been blessed. There's this thing called saving grace and grace of salvation, but there's also common grace. And we see common grace spread throughout this world that, that good things can happen even to bad people would be our terminology. We've at least seen the common grace of God. The fact that we can gather this morning, the fact that you have maybe somebody sitting beside you or you have loved ones, maybe the the past events of this past week when you were able to gather around with family and friends. We've had common grace. This morning, many of us would be able to say that we've actually had salvation grace. That is that God has called us and chosen us and that we've been able to respond to that choice and that opening our eyes to our sinfulness and the sufficiency of a Savior, and now we are forever saved. My question this morning for us to ponder, is there this joy and this understanding of how much of an outcast we really were in our sinfulness and just how saved and healed we really are this morning? I think it's always one of those difficult things that when we're looking for this epitome of evil, that we go to names like Hitler. Well, you know, <laughs> we go to this extreme over here. And then when we're looking at kind of some kind of a righteousness, we, we even look in human terms like a Mother Teresa. There's not one righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. There was only one that was righteous, and that is the one who took on flesh, Christ himself, this cornerstone. It's in his righteousness that we stand. And so this morning as we look back and we reflect and we say, okay, what was this verse 19 all about? What was this deeper, what faith has made him well? I I interpret that to to believe salvation. I believe he came to know Christ. I'd be open to hear your different thoughts on that. But my thought, my question I pondering to you this morning? I can tell you, you have been the recipient of God's common grace. Have you been the recipient of God's saving grace? Has he opened your eyes to your own sinfulness, your own unsanitariness, (laughs) and then called you in and shown you the rescuer, the redeemer, this Christ, the rock on which we stand? If so, then you are the most blessed among all people. 
Don't understand. Please understand that you weren't just a couple inches away. You weren't a couple feet away. Folks, we could not have been more outcast in our sinfulness. And yet by the grace of God, if he opens your eyes to the gospel, if you put your faith and your trust in the finished word of Jesus Christ, you become part of the family of God. This is the most amazing thing. This is the most amazing thing. The furthest of outcast to family. And now a future for us provided on the finished work of Christ. This morning, I'm going to give opportunity again. Uh, as a small church, we, we kind of have a little bit of a liberty to, to do some things that maybe in a bigger church, maybe we wouldn't have quite the opportunity. And uh, that is just for us to, to share what we're thankful for. And again, don't worry about it being in a cheesy way or something like that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be profound. Uh, I'll start and then whoever else. And it can be very short. You're just going to stand where you are and say, okay, I'm just thankful for this. Uh, my family's back there, my girls, their husbands, my grandchildren. And in a very earthly way, I, I'm so appreciative of that. Uh, so there's an earthly side of me that looks back there and just is overflowing with joy. But knowing that these grandchildren are going to hear the gospel, and not only will they hear the gospel, but they will see the gospel, my prayer, brings joy to a grandpa or a papa and a mimi. And that's my prayer, that God would save them in their early age so that they would have all these years to live under the beauty of Christ and that they would not never really experience that, that total uh, fear of what it's like to be an outcast, but they would just be growing up in, in a place. They're still going to have to make their own individual decisions, but this is that they would grow up and know that God has called the furthest to be with him. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.